We're coming to the next part of our sermon series in 1 Timothy. And uh, 1 Timothy has six chapters. We are at the end of chapter 5. We started this back in September. And uh, I've tried to do as many weeks as we can because we wanted to work our way through uh, a book of the Bible. We wanted to look at scripture uh, consistently and how it helped us as a church because obviously the Bible always has something to say to us as a people and as we worked our way through 1 Timothy it has helped us and one of the things that it has done is when we look at the area of church leadership of how you lead a church what does Paul uh, who writes a letter to Timothy what, what does he say to Timothy about leading uh, the church and uh, we know that in 1 Timothy 3 which we did way back in October uh, Paul used the term elder uh, to describe the leadership of the local church and from Paul's instruction here to Timothy he was telling him appoint elders in the churches that you are in because it wasn't to fall upon Timothy himself to do the work of leadership in the church that actually was to find godly men uh, with a heart for God and a heart for serving people, for shepherding people, and he was to appoint them as elders in the different churches that, that Timothy was overseeing there in Ephesus. That it was never just a one man ministry, one man doing everything. It was to actually that was his job to appoint. So we, we said back in October, just to give us a wee review of this, an elder, pastor, or bishop in the New Testament is essentially the same word. It's in interchangeable uh, and it carries a great responsibility and an important function which is this is to be shepherds of God's flock which is the church which is to, is to lead the church and, uh, and, and this is more uh, not more important than it was then but it's still as important uh, today that that happens in churches that the right leadership is put in place so the church is led right and we will see this so Paul now comes to this in 1 Timothy 5 because last week we're, last week we looked at the concern that Timothy was supposed to have for the widows and we went through the different groups of widows and, and who was to be helped and who wasn't to be helped and we looked at it in, in the modern day as a church that hey listen we can't help everybody but we can help somebody uh, we, we can look after some people but there were some things that weren't our responsibility that the family had to step up and look after uh, the members of the family that maybe had lost someone and, and things like that and so after dealing with the concern for the widows Paul now addresses the, the elders or the leaders of the church uh, and simply shares with the readers, uh, Timothy primarily, the readers, the concern that they should have as the, the, the leaders. So 1 Timothy 5 and starting at verse 17 to 25 says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. And the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone so that the others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God in Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. 
Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. The sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious and even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden for Ever. So we can see there's quite a lot in there. It's impossible to cover everything that's in there today because obviously it talks about the pay, the appointment, uh, the accusation, and then if that doesn't sort of cover it all, we then get onto the, the verse that people talk about, well, is it okay for a Christian to drink? And they'll point that verse out. We can't even get to that one today, but we will get to it uh, at some point and stuff. So there's not any way we're able to cover all of that in the short time that we have, but we can cover uh, some of it as we work our way through it, because what Paul wanted to share here with the, the preaching and teaching are considered important work for an elder remember an elder we use the term elder in the term a pastor bishop leader that person who, who is leading the church so we know that elders have other biblical expectations they're, they're to pray for the church they're to care for the church they're, they're to help the church they're to guide the church you'll find the elders in this church as we said uh, way back in October the, you know it's not always everything that you see it's the stuff that they're doing that you don't see, the phone calls that they're making, the visiting that they're doing. We're not always standing up here and saying, these men are always doing this. We know they're always doing this. And this was the expectation here. But, but Paul comes to Timothy and simply says, well, listen, preaching and teaching are areas uh, specifically worthy of mention when it comes to financial support. Because here it talks about the double honour. And uh, what has happened here is uh, that there is no other way to reinterpret this verse other than what do we do about paying people in the church? What do we do about paying those who do the work of church full time? Now you'll understand I'm in full favour of it, but you'll understand why. <laughs> but for others it helps us to understand why we do what we do. And, and you see here Paul is writing to them because there may be quite a few churches and it might have been especially appropriate given the size of the church in Ephesus uh, and also the number of people that they were looking after uh, to say well, well we should pay these people because they're preaching and teaching, they're giving life, their lives to the cause of the church. Uh, and so this passage here is really that of how you run as a church because how a church runs is important. Uh, you know, when you come to church, there'll be some churches that will say, well, we need to be a democracy. That what we need to do, every time we do something, we need to vote on it. You know, a bit like politics, we present something to you, the church, and you say, yes, we'll do that. We see 51 yeses and we see 49 no's. But the difficulty with that is there's no biblical example of democracy in the Bible. So I'm not sure that that's the right way to go. My own personal opinion is this, if you go democratic with the church, you may win the vote but lose the person. Uh, and so therefore we got to look at that and say well is that the way we should do church well the other way maybe people look at it is say well a dictatorship what you do is you just have one man at the front a papal type figure that God has picked him chosen him and he's almost like got a hotline to God and he's accountable to nobody and simply what he says is we're going to do this and then you all yes we're going to do this that's not a bad idea no we're not going to do that 
but that's the other way of doing it. So one way is the Bible teaches, but there's no evidence in the Bible that either democracy or dictatorship is the one that works. So therefore we look and say, here we go, well, what, what, what does God say? Well, it's really a theocracy. And let me explain what that means. It's really God who rules and God who governs. But what he does, he puts men in place, as we said there, as elders, who have a responsibility in directing the affairs of the church. Now, Paul uses that phrase here, and I think that's a really important phrase to use when he said, this is their responsibility. They direct the affairs of the church. How are you doing, all right? (laughs) (laughs) To direct the affairs of the church. You see, we know that without a vision, the people perish. That's in the Old Testament. Where there's a lack of spiritual direction, the people will just do what they want. It's like it says in Judges, each man does upon himself what he feels is right. So therefore, one of the important duties of those that lead, those that are elders, those that are pastors, are to direct the affairs of the church. But, but what does that mean? If we don't want people to wander aimlessly into all sorts of problems and difficulties, is well, we want to keep the church on track. Believe that God has given the church a mission. And our job is to keep people upon that mission because it's easy in church to get distracted from that mission and say the church is all about these sort of things. We've got to fulfill that mission. We've to achieve that purpose. So we've set in place what we believe is the right way to direct the affairs of the church, as Paul says. Uh, And so here, elders is always plural. It's never individual men of spiritual maturity and authority to be shepherds of the church of God. We talked about how in our church there's an accountability. So we don't stand up the front and say, we're going to do this as a church. And the elders are like, we have not heard a word about this whatsoever. She's accountable to the elders. The other four godly men that are on the oversight. That's the way we do that here. Because that keeps the peace and it keeps the unity and it keeps us directing the affairs of the church in the right direction. That's what Paul is trying to say to Timothy. Because often sometimes in churches you do find people that sometimes want to come in and say we need to do this this way because we believe this is the right way. Well if it's not the way we feel we should go as a leadership of a church we're not going to go that way. So we have an important job to keep the church directed upon the affairs of God. And I put this quote up to help us understand. To direct the affairs of the church is showing spiritual leadership that moves people onto God's agenda. That simply it's about us saying to you, God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. This church has a purpose for being here. We want you to get on board. I use the illustration sometimes of driving the bus because I'm a good driver, except by the time I crashed it into the gate. And (laughs) I drive the bus. And on the bus, people get on and people get off. And some people are going with us all the way to the end. And some people decide, no, I need to get off here because I want to go and do that. And that's what we do. We drive the bus. But here it's directed to move people onto God's agenda, not your agenda. Uh, most importantly, not my agenda, not what, what in a sense I think should happen, because there are times I think, oh, we should do this. And if I don't sense that it's what God wants us to do, then I have to say, well, no, we're not doing this. Uh, and so that's what directing the affairs of the church means. And so here we do this by leading and teaching primarily, but also by praying and serving. Now, teaching for an elder, and I know this is true in our church, is not just the people that stand behind here and preach. 
I know it's the phone calls that are made, the conversations that are had, the encouragement that is given to each and every person in the church. What sets them apart is this, is they work hard. They work hard in what God has called them to do. And so we come to this passage and there is no other way to interpret it other than dealing with the issue of paid people within the church who do full-time ministry. And we've said that it follows on from the concern for the elders. Those who give leadership and ministry to the church should be supported by the church. Now this is not a plea from me. One, if you're thinking of getting rid of me. Two, to give me a wage rise. None of this is a plea for any of that. We've come to this passage in Timothy and I'm going to be as honest as I can with you. You see, it's easy sometimes when people have not seen the whole journey. People may look at you now and say, oh, look at that, look what they do now and what they have now and all this going on now. But they didn't see the beginning of the journey. They didn't see the call at the beginning. They didn't see what was sacrificed maybe at the beginning. They just look and say this. Now, now, now when talking about money in church, it's often the thing that people get put off most by. I'll give you the four top reasons uh, that people say things. I've heard these things uh, and people say, and people will use this, and, and you'll have heard these. The first one is this. That church is always asking for money. People say that, don't they? That church, never say that about ours. It says, well, that church is asking. I cover that by saying, we don't ask for money, we present a need. Just saying this. We present a need. And he says, but you come to our church, we're not always asking you for money. There were two buckets at the door. If you want to give something on the way up, listen, tithing is always between you and God. It's as simple as that. I've said that to people. Uh, it's your personal relationship with God as you worship and serve. So you tithe as well. But that's up to you. But some people say, that church always asking for money. It's always, I've been to conferences and other churches where they bring out the stall. It's offering time. And they, they put a pastor up on the stool and he just goes on and on and on about money. And almost to the point you're sitting there going, just take my money, just shut up, just take it. That's the way you can be sometimes because that church is always asking. Second thing is this, what do they do with all that money? And so always a one that people either think or ask. They say, what do they do? Well, we put the offering there and I think at times there are people that possibly think when somebody goes in the offering I pull my car up to the door at the end of the service and just put the offering bucket straight in my car say thank you very much but people ask what do they do with all that money thankfully here in our church we present to you the accounts of where we spend every penny both in the church and the charity that we present that to you every year I would doubt there's anybody in here that's ever read it to be honest with you I would imagine it gets shoved in a drawer somewhere and stuff but we've done our bit we let you know but what do they do with all that money the third reason is this look at the car the pastor drives <laughs> obviously this does not relate to me but my hunker junk eh? but I know if I pulled up in a certain car in church people would be thinking that's ah, 10 quid less I'm putting in the bucket this week <laughs> Look at the car. And my favourite, this is the number one. It's my favourite one of all. All that for one day's work a week. <laughs> all that for one day's work. And so therefore, people will say, so it's mentioned, isn't it? Money is an important issue both in life, in faith and in church. In the next chapter, in chapter 6, Paul speaks about this all the way through. 
it, it, we, we will recognise verses and sayings of people that, that uh, get mentioned. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Most times we've heard we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. And then probably one of the most misinterpreted verses is this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. People will say the love of people will say uh, money is the root. It's not. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It creates all sorts of problems, particularly in churches. And I have to be honest, most of what I've seen has been by observation rather than experience. Because I'm going to share something from the heart. And uh, we're part of an extremely generous church here. Personally, uh, over these last six months, I've been incredibly, incredibly blessed by the generosity of this church, both at my 20th anniversary uh, and at Christmas. So there are things that I have observed through other churches and friends of mine who are pastors, and there are things I've experienced, but my experience here is not that. As a matter of fact, I tell you what I really feel this morning is actually feel incredibly humbled because I am paid in full-time ministry here, and that pay, being paid, allows me days where I can sit in my study uh, and, and study the word of God, not just for sermons I preach, but just for things that God is doing in my life. And, and I thank you for that. And there are tremendous opportunities uh, to stand with people, uh, both when babies are born, both when people want to get married, both also at the end of people's lives, when you hold their hands and they take their last breath. Last Sunday night, I stood at the back of church doing the door after driving the minibus. And I just felt blessed as I watched what was going on on here and the platform. And I thought to myself, I could stand at the door every Sunday night because I feel greatly blessed by what I do. And I appreciate that. And I want to just say thank you for that, that I get the opportunity to have days where I can pray and worship, that I have days where I can just spend my time focusing on God and what God is doing both in my life and also in church that's enough of this soppy stuff now because it's not me but you understand that that's my heart today so therefore when I read this in Timothy I'm not looking at it and saying yeah this church so tight and stuff do you know what I mean I'm going to get at them this morning I actually felt humbled stood back and just simply said thank you for your generosity thank you for blessing me as the pastor I really appreciate it and stuff and I feel that sense of honour of what I do and so simply it looks at this we go back to the passage now and we look at this and it says Paul backs up his claim here with what scripture says that's my experience I have to give you the observation sometimes to keep us generous in in a sense because unfortunately there are churches out there and we'll pay the electric and pay the gas and pay everything else and what's left we'll give to the pastor and unfortunately I don't see the honour in the word of God there I don't see them saying, I know those things need paid. But I think it's so important to look after the people. As Paul says here to Timothy, are doing the teaching and preaching. And this is not a plea for money because, listen, let me tell you something now. And I say this from the front to church. It says, if the money went downhill in this church and the money disappeared and all of this, it said, I would still do what I do. Because it's not for the money. It's not for the pay packet. It's not for the cruises that I love to go on. You know that. But it's not for any of that. It's because the calling of God is upon my life. I think sometimes you have to be honest about these things because it helps people understand. Because we know there are other 
churches without laying criticism but observation that don't operate like that. That almost this is like a money-making machine here. And actually, funny enough, I had a really brilliant business idea. Last time I was up here, I had a brilliant business idea, but nobody took me up on it. But I thought, this is a brilliant business idea for ministry. You're going to love this one for the pastor. Because we're getting a job done in the church, and we got the quote to fix a boiler. And when I got the quote through, it said that there was a call-out charge, and then what there was, there was time spent actually doing the job. And immediately, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Why not do that with a pastor? Imagine if you put a price and said, you know what, the call-out charge for visits, £20. Okay? But not only that, I'll tell you what I do. See, when I come out, that just gets me to your front door. When I come in, if you want prayer, that's another fiver, okay? <laughs> if you want anointed with oil, I mean, my goodness, like, that's, uh, <laughs> that's even more, like, and possibly I could throw in a few prophetic, well, I'm going to get struck by lightning here, like, but... <laughs> But often the people, use, I use it as an illustration to say of people using this as a money-making machine. It's not. So it's a privilege and honour to do what God has called us to do. Paul is simply saying to Timothy here, he says, listen, look after the people that are doing the preaching and teaching and the serving. Look after them. The ones that have simply said, I've sold my life out for this. says, yesterday I was sharing something at a conference. I got on a boat in June 1998 left half my furniture in England with a wife that had only been married. We'd been married for nine months. That was Athena, by the way, just to clear that up. <laughs> and people don't often see the beginning of the journey because maybe they're not here where you didn't know them and stuff, but they don't see this. And, and I shared this, and I've shared this a few times because it's so true. God not only keeps his promises, he keeps his people. And it just simply makes me realise that the keeping is all down to God anyway. And I love this church, as you know. And I love the way you've treated me and looked after me and taken care of me as a stranger in a foreign land, as Gene Walker always called me. <laughs> and as we come to this, it just helps us to understand. When Paul writes this, he said, listen, it says the principle that those who serve God's people should be paid where possible. And so what Paul does, and you know, if you're ever talking about something, always back it up with, ministry, with the scripture, sorry, and that's what Paul does. He simply says this, it says, do not muzzle an ox while it is out, while it is treading out the grain. And the first thing you're going to say, what on earth does that have to do with anything to do with money? And it says, it's an Old Testament thing. And, you know, I, I want you to imagine a second I'm an ox. That might not be too hard for you. And in the Old Testament times, the ox would, would tread out the grain. To, to, and it would simply be there and it would just go round in a circle with the other ox. That's me going around in a circle. <laughs> All day. But what would happen was this. Is, uh, he says they're instructed not to muzzle the ox because then he could eat the grain and stuff because it sustained him and it fed him as he was doing what he was supposed to be doing just systematically going around. He did that. But what the pagans did was this. that They muzzled the ox. Imagine I'm an ox and put a mask over my face to stop me speaking. Some of you are living the dream this morning. But the ox mask over her face because that meant he couldn't eat. He got tired and he got fed up and he got because he couldn't take this. And Paul uses this example. He says, Don't muzzle the ox. He says, Let him do what he's supposed to do. 
said, let him do what he's called to do. Let him go around. And, and, and that's really what the, the thought is in this. But said, let him do what he's supposed to do. That consistent going through teaching people and praying for people and serving people and loving people. And so he uses that verse there and simply says, you know, he says, it's more sensible and fair. Let the animal eat while it works. The benefit is considerable. He says it's beneficial for those that are preaching and teaching so they can do that. So I said yesterday I went to a conference and I got inspired and fed by other people who, who preached and teach yesterday. That helps me hopefully in, in this, in doing what we do here. He says that's the idea behind it. Don't make it hard for them. Since I heard somebody once say, he says, what we do, we don't pay our pastor a lot of money because we, we don't want him to, to gain a love for money. And so therefore, if he, you don't give him any money, you'll not start loving it. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, oh, that, that doesn't make sense, you know. It doesn't make sense why you do that. That doesn't mean you give him everything he asks for and stuff. But look after him, take care of him. And I'm not just saying this for me. I'm saying this in the general sense with people. We're honouring the man of God. We're honouring the people that have said, God, you have put a call upon my life. I'm following that call. And as Paul says in Philippians, he says, and this will be true of most people who go into full-time ministry, I have known times of contentment and richness. And I have known times when I've had nothing. And God is still in control. God's calling is still as important as ever. And it's really what he's trying to say here uh, uh, and stuff. You know, it's an Old Testament thought as well that we see with the priest. It says he ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. And I thought in that last phrase there, summing up why you do what you do so you can devote yourself it says to the law of the Lord, they're the word of the Lord and the work of the Lord. That's really it. So therefore, if you're needed, if people need you for something, it's not nine to five. My phone doesn't switch off at five o'clock at night and says, listen, you can get me again in the morning. It says it right through the night and in the position that I've done here and the work I've done here I mean sometimes going out at daft hours because that's when people need but that's serving God and that's serving God by serving others you devote yourself to the work of the Lord and the law of the Lord but then you're not worried on the other side of it because hey the church is looking after you because that's what they're supposed to do and there is no other way about that. I'm not saying that because I know this is a, uh, a bit of an awkward subject because nobody likes to talk about money and sometimes people don't like to talk, you know, to, oh, well, you know, keep that man at the front poor because it'll increase his faith. I mean, somebody said this to me once. I remember driving once to go and do a youth weekend. And I mean, the petrol was like, you know, just, you know, petrol is, there was no petrol in the car. It was one of those times where, you know, where you just hope for the car to go downhill so you can take your foot off the accelerator. It was that bad. And getting to this place, did what I had to do and, 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 and preached to the young people, did all of that. And the fella came to me at the end who was leading it. And he says, he says, God bless you, brother, in your ministry. Thank you for coming today. And he said all of these things. And the reality is, and this may be my humanness coming through, I was waiting for the little brown envelope to come. And those of us, which is just 10 quid, I could put petrol in my car and, and it didn't come and I was like and I thought to myself and I'm just being totally honest with you 
That, that, actually, I thought to myself, I thought, I administered all day. I'd done all of this. I had the money because I could tell you the name of the church and you'd be like, oh, money. They've got all of that. And I remember thinking to myself, just no matter what God was doing in that room there, and not looking after the person who had devoted themselves to the word of the Lord and the work of the Lord, they'd missed out on the blessing. And, you know, and so therefore, coming out of that, I thought to myself, it changed me because I made sure in what we do here, we bless people in what they do. If they give up their time to serve, it says we try to always make sure that people are blessed because of that. Should that be just a gift voucher, just listen, that's it. Should that just be something that says, we appreciate what you do because you have devoted yourself to the word and the work of the Lord. And I think that's the right attitude. Do you agree with me? Yeah, it's the right attitude to have. And so it comes down to this when he says, here, well, I know my time is near gone. I've only a few minutes left and I move on. But I do want to move on a little bit to the, the next part because Paul just mentions this uh, about, well, what do you do about the accusation? Because we know here that what happens is this, is uh, people hear things and Paul hits a nail on the head when he talks about, well, when you make an accusation against a leader, or all that and stuff. And when you're in leadership sometimes, you do set yourself in a position. And unfortunately, I've discovered this. Sometimes people don't like you. I can't do anything about that. I thought I was a likeable fella. Obviously, that's not the case. So sometimes people don't like you. You set yourself up, in a sense, as a target spiritually because you're doing God's work. And sometimes what happens is people may say things and, and we all know the issues around gossip and rumours and all things like this. And Paul, Paul addresses it here. He says, do not entertain. But I think a better at receiving is this word. He says, do not receive. You know, if you've got ears that are listening, sometimes shut down the conversation. Because gossip always stops when it hits a wise person's ears. It always stops. So you're out there, I heard this about such and such. You don't know whether it's true. You're just listening to gossip. You know, there's an old story about a pastor who was trying to defend himself against criticism. The story went around like this, that he had told his wife not to go to a certain church because the meetings in there were wild. I don't know what that means, but anyway. He say, say that you let your wife go anyway. And then you went down to the church and you dragged her out of the church by her hair and hurt her so badly she had to go to the hospital. So they bring this pastor in to respond to these accusations. And so he stands there and he says, firstly, I never told her to stay away from that church. Secondly, I didn't drag her out by the hair, it's so untrue. Thirdly, she never had to go to the hospital. And finally, I've never been married, I've never had a wife. <laughs> and we say to ourselves sometimes, it says, we hear things and do that. And I thought, now a great thought there. So it just responds to the accusation that's made. You see, because often, and, 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 and Paul moves on here to Timothy, because he talks about the problem in church sometimes where there is partiality, no partiality, and, and favouritism. And we all will think of stories at times whereby, oh, it's because they're related, or it's because they've been in the church a long time, it's because all their family's here, and that hinders the work of God. And Paul knew that here, writing to Timothy in Ephesus, because he simply says, no favouritism. 
It doesn't matter what they do outside. Just because somebody is successful in the secular world, that's not a reason to give them position or function within the church, ever. Not to look at somebody and say, well, he does really well out there and he leads us and he's, he's really good. But his spiritual life might be up in the air. There are spiritual conditions for spiritual responsibilities, for spiritual functions in the church. And Paul writes this here to Timothy and simply says all of this, because otherwise if you do that, if you do that, he says you will only end up with problems and difficulties. How many times do churches mess it up with people because of partiality and favoritism? Lots of times in Bible, and James you know, I can't cover this passage. He talks about it. He says, what do you do when the well-dressed person comes in? Like, well-dressed person comes in. And that who's scruffy. That person who smells a little bit. And you're like, I don't want to sit over there, you know. Maybe I'll just use COVID as an excuse. And, you know, what do we do? Is it partiality? Is it favoritism? Our church does this. Come and take a seat with the rest of us. Oh, I love that. Came up with it myself. And, you know, and God does it. But God said this for this reason. That's it, church is open for everybody. It says, come and take a seat with the rest of us. No partiality, no favoritism. It does not matter that you bought me a bag and bucket two years ago. That will not affect the decision that we make about church. But you'll be surprised at times how people want to get close to the leadership and say, oh, you know, come have a lunch. Let me tell you what I think about church. The closest, listen, no partiality, no favoritism. Everybody gets treated the same. Come and take a seat with the rest of us. That's the way we're running as a church. I've only got through possibly two-thirds of this, but the time is up, and I do want to stick uh, to the time. But I want us to help us understand in closing this important function of directing the affairs of the church, that as we move forward as a church, it is essential and important to have the right leaders in place to direct those affairs. That's why we do what we do. That's why we're concerned about everything that goes on. So listen, when you stand up here today and you look out and see a full church, I see what everybody's bringing to the table, that everybody wants to be a part of. We're directing and say, this is our mission, this is our purpose, this is what God wants us to do. That's what the leadership of the church does. Let us take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you today. We thank you, Father. Firstly, Lord, in, in, in that truth from my heart the appreciation to this church Lord the kindness and the generosity Father God of being a blessing to myself and my family Father God I say thank you Lord from the front here but say thank you to you thank you for the calling Father you've put upon our lives Father to serve the church the care that people give us Father let us respond by giving the care to others by serving others, by loving others. Father, that we take seriously as the leadership of this church what Paul says to Timothy to direct the affairs of the church. That God, we want to be a place for the salvation of souls. We want to be a place where people grow up in you, Father God, for their good and for your glory. And so, Father, we come as a church. Father, as we read these passages and we can't fully dissect them all, but we get a thought, Lord, of what you're trying to say. Be concerned for one another. Look after one another. Don't make it hard for each other. Support one another. Love one another. Show that concern. And for that today, Lord,
we say thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, you're